like I'm in a black church. Feel like I'm in a black church. Where's Ruth is, is the blackest Scottish I've ever... Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Preach. <laughs> Preach. <laughs> Scottish black, I'm trying to... Preach. Preach it. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. Already I feel too much at home. And I, <clears throat> man, hey, we had such a great time uh, yesterday with your creative team. Can you give them actually a great hand just as they're coming down? Your worship team is amazing. Beautiful, 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 beautiful people. And um, I, I feel really excited. Uh, excuse the pun. I feel really excited about what God is doing here. Um, so I've got, I've got like a, I've, I just have a sense, a really exciting sense about what God is doing in the community and in and, and the church as a whole. So I'm, I'm just, I'll spill it out of my spirit. I do have notes, um, but just, just so you know, I'm going in a general direction, <laughs> but who knows where it's going to end up. Can I just quickly tell you about these, uh, the books and stuff that we have at the back there? Um, a, a few years ago, a prophetic friend of mine uh, called me and said, um, hey, you need to spend some time in the Word because God wants to download some stuff to you. Uh, about worship, and um, I know I've spent my whole life in worship, I've, uh, we've taught a lot for years and years and years, but she said that, she used that word download, and, um, and I went, oh, okay, cool, and, and then I didn't for a long time, because as you do, uh, and then I was in a Bible college in Denmark, and um, we were teaching for a whole week, so I thought, oh, I better go get something fresh, I had my normal notes, but I thought, yeah, I'll go get something fresh, and so I opened the word, and in one night, God downloaded all this stuff. And I'm not that type of guy. I'm not that see things in the sky type of dude. Pretty real, pretty down to earth. But I felt like, you know, the Matrix where the, he plugs in like the thing in the back of the head and then all of a sudden he knows Kung Fu, you know. <clears throat> well, I was like all night long, I was just, I could not put the Bible down, all this stuff throughout the whole Old Testament on worship and glory and our oneness with God and all that kind of stuff just downloaded. And I woke up in the morning. I didn't even wake up. I was up all night. But we got to the morning and all of a sudden I knew worship Kung Fu. Right? And, that, and over the next three years, I, I taught that stuff and developed it and eventually wrote it down into this book called Rebranding Worship. And, um, and this, the places that God has taken this is, uh, is uh, only testimony to, uh, to God because I, I just think it's a message that he wants to get around his church, around the world. And I'm going to speak a little bit on that um, during this morning's message. My wife is probably the most beautiful and most intimate worshiper I know. And she wrote her journey down in a book simply called Journey. And just as she is, I mean, you've, you've felt her heart, right? And she's up there. And that's, that's, the heart, that's the heart that's gone into this book. And her journey to intimacy has, has covered a lot of areas, particularly ones of the thought life and how that affects you and how you can, you know, you can make or break your life on how you think. And she's having, having to battle that for, for years and years and years. And along the way, she's written songs about, you know, about that. So a lot of the story is written around the songs. Five, uh, how many songs in the Seven songs in particular that she mentions. And so when she finished the book, we thought, hey, let's rearrange and record those songs. So some of these songs would be songs that you might have known if you've known anything from the Parachute Band days, and some of them are new. Um, and so right at the back there, we've got the book and the music there for you to download, and that's a, that's a great package. For the music team guys that were there yesterday, we've got our music resources, so all your ear training and all your music arrangement principles and a uh, bunch of stuff, particularly for music directors. Steve, you need to get this, you need to get that card. Okay, kia ora. Kia ora no tatoe, inga iwi katoa. It's good to be here. 
there's such an exciting feel over your place. Man, it just feels great. We were, I was asking the music team yesterday, uh, when somebody walks into your church, what are the things that they just, what are their first impressions of church? Now, I was asking from a, from, from a new point of view, but I'm talking to the music team. And so you, you kind of expect, oh, you know, it's, what's, what, what's the music like and what's the sound like? And, but nobody, nobody answered that. Everybody came in and said, oh, when I first came to the church, it felt like family. When I first came to the church, it felt positive and friendly. When I first came to the church, it felt like a real community home. And I'm like, exactly. And none of that has to do with music. We were talking about the atmosphere uh, uh, that people walk into here. Now, we know that any church you walk into that, that confesses that Jesus is Lord, there's the Spirit of God there. Right? So you walk into here, there's the presence of God. But each place has an individual grace on it. Every house has a grace on it. Equipus Church has got a real grace for young people, for music. Music and worship has been a thing that's been on it for a long time. We've, just, we've recognized that grace, we've seen it, and you've operated in it. When we try to do other things, they're, they're okay, but they haven't got that same grace on it. You guys have got a grace for community, family, positive. You know? And so when you walk into this atmosphere, when you, walk in, when you join this family, you, you should be prepared to join that vision. Hey. When we were, and I, so I told this story, we were, we were, when I was growing up, Christmas time was all about the hangi, the Christmas hangi. Um, when you were a kid at Christmas time, when I was a kid at Christmas time, you'd wake up at you know, 5 o'clock in the morning, uh, really excited because it's Christmas morning, and, um, <clears throat> and you'd, you'd search through your stocking. The first thing that's there, just to, just to rumble through, and you get past all the fruit and to get all the good stuff. You know, and then you and then you and then you rush out there. I mean, it's five o'clock in the morning. Mum and Dad are asleep, and but the kids are excited. That's what Christmas Day is all about. So all of a sudden, we're up there just playing with our stuff. Five o'clock in the morning, really, really excited. Then all morning, it's just continue playing and playing and playing, and presents start to come out depending on when you do it. You know, in your family, in our family, it was around eleven o'clock ish. All the presents would come out, and there's this, because there's, there's a lot of kids, there's this whole, the lounge was covered in presents under the tree. So exciting. And so my whole Christmas morning was just stocking, excited, gifts, presents, lots of fun time, lollies that were around. That was all it was. And then miraculously, at lunchtime, the table was covered with food. Right? As a kid... The table was just suddenly miraculously covered with food. And all of a sudden, we all got up to eat, and then we ate, and then it was more play after that. Soon it was done, it was like, it was like we couldn't jump in the pool because we had to wait for half an hour. <laughs> you know, you couldn't go to the beach, couldn't go swimming, we had to wait. And that's what Christmas Day was. That's all it was. As I got older, things started to change. Because now it was, yeah, Christmas time, stocking and seeing some gifts, but all of a sudden, it wasn't so miraculous. Some of the miracles started to leak, because now I was setting the table. <laughs> I'm like, hey, hey, wait, I thought this happened by, by Santa Claus. I thought the fairies came and, and did this, but now I'm putting the knives and forks out and all this stuff around. And then, and then another year would pass, and another year would pass, and the older I got, all of a sudden, the night before, I'm peeling spuds. I'm going, what happened to the miracle? All of a sudden, the older I got, the more responsibility I had to take on. 
Now it wasn't about just me. It was about me helping to set the atmosphere of Christmas. Because we loved, we, everybody loved Christmas, except that old grumpy uncle. You know, when old grumpy uncle would come, and no matter what, and no matter how cheery a day it was, he'd always, he was always grumpy. Just couldn't get over himself. We didn't know what was going on. As, as kids, we didn't know whether he was, what was going on in his life. He could have been depressed. He could have been going through stuff. We didn't care. All we knew was he was the grumpy guy that was a down buzz for Christmas. <laughs> Don't you think that that guy could have just for one day got over his grumpiness and just helped with the Christmas spirit? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Don't you know somebody like that? That's just, come on, just for one day can you just get over it for somebody else? To set the atmosphere for somebody else. And so, and so as I got older, I suddenly, re- all of a sudden, now I'm, now I'm peeling the spuds, I'm putting the meat in, I'm salting it, I'm digging a hole, I'm burning a fire, now there's stones going in, I'm standing there hot in a balaclava. <laughs> and a shovel, he's, he's my hungry, my hungry folks. You know, you, know, you know what I'm feeling. There's sacks and, there's, and it's wet and all stuff going on. And I'm thinking, what happened to the miracle? Right now, I'm, I'm providing the miracle. And I've got kids over in that house playing around and having gifts and having a good time. Now I'm the one setting the atmosphere for my kids, the next generation. The culture of the house keeps, keeps growing as the kids grow up, become responsible adults, and they set the atmosphere for the next generation. You've got an exciting house here. And when you first came in, it's like, man, I, I've been a part of this church. I love what's going on. I love what Paul and Ruth are doing. They're exceptional pastors. They've got an incredible heart. Man, I love the staff. I love what Reuben and Harmony are doing. I love, I love the vibe that's going on. But they can't do the whole thing by themselves. They're the adults at the moment providing the atmosphere. But we need the kids to grow up. I don't care how old you are. Hey, we, we need the kids to grow up to be responsible adults and start taking ownership of what's going on here so that you can start to see the culture perpetuate from generation to generation to generation. We don't want the church to just last one generation. And the only way we're going to do that is if the kids grow up. <laughs> it doesn't work unless we're all in. That's the theme. That's the theme. We're all in. The house can't, can't keep going based on just three people doing all the work. Somebody's got to grow up and start to get into it. And that is you and you and you and you and you and you and you. But it's so exciting. Why would you not? It's just a matter of kind of handing it over and committing to it and go, okay, I believe in the work of what God is doing through the vision of this house. If I believe it, then I'm going to get involved in it. We all know that guy who's the super positive guy in a team. You know, think about the teams that you've been involved in. The sports teams, the school teams, the clubs, the various clubs. Whatever team that you've been a part of, there's always that super positive guy. Everybody loves that guy. When you're a leader, you love that guy. Because no matter what happens, they're always there. Always there. They may not get it all right, but they're always there. They're always keen. As soon as you need something to do, you know you've got someone reliable to call on. I want to be that guy on a team. Don't you? Right. But we all know, so we all know that other guy. <laughs> well, there's two other guys. There's the uncommitted guy, and then there's the negative guy. 
there's the uncommitted guy who's, you know, he's, he, love, he, he enjoys it all right. He enjoys playing and he, he's good, but he doesn't come to that many practices. You know, you're trying to work out your set plays, but he's not there on Wednesdays or hours, so, he's, so he doesn't know when it comes to play on Saturday. Hey, yeah. hey, yeah, it comes out the back of the scrum and you've got you to pass it to him, but he's not there. Yeah. Why? Because, because he wasn't there on Wednesday. That's the uncommitted guy that's like, yeah, no, no, I really love it, guys, but then doesn't show up. Says it all the time. Yeah, 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 I'll be there, bro. <laughs> hey, but then all of a sudden, <laughs> practice comes and he's not there. That's the, that's the uncommitted guy. We hate that guy. <laughs> let's be honest. Hey, let's be honest, man. We hate that guy. It's like, come on, man. Just get your stuff together and come to practice. Either be in or don't. We'll open the door. We'll be as gracious as we can for as long as, we, as long as we can. We really want you to be a part of this team. Why? Because it's good for you. You'll learn so much stuff out of just coming. It's not about the skills you learn out of, you know, how to pass and how to throw. It's actually about the commitment and the responsibility you learn from being there regularly. What does it say about the integrity of your character? So much of that stuff. That, and all that stuff God wants to do in you. On the other side, then there's the negative guy. The negative guy is more dangerous. The negative guy is there at everything, but is always whining. He thinks he can do it better, but he doesn't want to get involved. He's like, oh, man, this is never going to work. Why do we have to do that? It's already too hard on everybody. We've already put in too, demands on, on too much demand. There's too many practices anyway. We shouldn't be doing it. Though. We shouldn't be doing it that way. I saw the All Blacks play last night. Man, they, were, they had so many better plays. Than, we, should be, we should be analyzing those videos that we see from the All Blacks, and then we should be bringing that to, you know what I mean? And they're coming with all these great ideas, but not, not willing to take any responsibility to lead it. I'm like, yeah, those are good ideas, man. Good ideas. You want to lead it? Oh, actually, bro, I, I can't do it this week, because, eh, um, you know, I've got my, my cousin who's coming down to stay, and, um, hey, okay, my challenge to you is, which one of those are you for this church? Are you the committed guy, the positive guy? Are you the negative guy? Or are you just the uncommitted guy? <laughs> Somewhere in the middle now, the cool thing is, is, is in any church, your leaders want to be just, they want you to succeed. They want you to be a part of the family, not to use you, not to abuse you, but for your good. As a leader, I, I don't, in every team that I've been in, I never ask anybody to do anything that I don't think is good for them. So if I put a demand on somebody, say, hey, bro, can you help us out with this? I think it's going to be good for them to do that. If I'm just abusing and using somebody, they'll know. They'll know, you know when somebody's for you and not. Hey, and if, you, and if you have any doubts, talk. Just talk. Just say, hey, bro, I'm feeling like you're just using me here a lot. I'll be like, oh, man, I'm so sorry. I'm never, I would never, ever want to do that to you. I mean, you'd be amazed at what people you know, can come up with when you just talk in honesty. But it's about, be, it's about being that open and doing it together and talking and communicating. <clears throat> when we apply all this to church, we, the, it kind of goes on the basic understanding that, that some, some, look, everybody's on their journey, right? So no more rugby teams, no more Christmas analogy. Now we're talking about church. You've got an amazing church. God is doing an amazing thing. 
and it will be the it will be the best for you to get involved in that. Because when you come to church, whether you like it or not, you come under the covering of that church. It's God's government. It's the way that God works. You're now under the covering. So if you go through anything, I guarantee church will be there for you. So how about when somebody else goes through something, will you be there as the church for them? This is the big deal. Because a lot of people don't, don't appreciate church until, something, until there's a crisis. And then church is there for them. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Hey, you don't really appreciate church until you go through something horrible and then the churches are the ones that are there for you. And now all of a sudden you realize, man, that's the power of church. The power of church is not in the music. The power of church is, just, is not in the Sunday service. It's actually through the rest of the week. That's the power of this church. I see that. These guys are there for you. They'll open their home to people. You know, you know what I'm saying? And, and I know that the spirit that flows from the top flows through the whole lot. And, and the more we see taking on that spirit and submitting to it and go, Lord, I'm in this house not to, not to push my own agenda. I actually have to submit to what you're doing, and then I know it will go good for me. There's a general principle of submission here, which is hard to hear for, for most people. It's hard to hear that to submit is a good thing, especially if you've been abused before or hurt before. It is, we understand it's a, it's a tough thing, but isn't that what faith is about? We're going, look, Jesus, he, didn't, he, he, didn't, he was unjustly accused, and he didn't fight back. He submitted himself to the will of God, and God's will was for him was a bigger picture. If I had just said, hey, Jesus, you're just going to die a death for no reason, you know, there's, there's no reason in that. He'd say, oh, of course not, I don't want to do that. But if we said, hey, you're going to die a death, and that reason is going to clean, clear mankind of its sin for all time. That's a reason. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And we've got to be asking, hey, man, what is, what, am I, what, what is my agenda here? What am I submitting myself to? I have to understand that God, God is working through a body. It doesn't mean you have to become you know, clones. Absolutely not. Everybody, every one of you has unique gifts. But your ministry, now listen to me carefully here, your ministry does not flow from your gifts. Your ministry doesn't flow from your gifts. Neither does it, and this is especially to the worship team or any minister from here. Your ministry does not flow from the platform. Your ministry does not flow from the platform. I want to say every single person here is a minister of Jesus, but it doesn't flow from the platform, which means you don't have to be on the platform to minister, or your platform ministers are not the only ministers in this church. Your, your ministry doesn't even flow from your gifts. It flows from your spirit. Whatever is, has control of your spirit, whatever is in your spirit, is what ministers out from you, and it flows from you through your gifts. When your ministry flows from your spirit, through your gifts, a platform is then built around you. Let me say that again. Your ministry flows from your spirit, whoever you are, through your gifts, however that may get out there, and then a platform will build around you. Now, if, you're, if your ministry is one of, is, is what Jesus is, and Jesus walked through, a, walked, into the, he walked through a wall into a room full of his disciples, and they freaked out. 
Isn't it really funny? Like, because he says, don't be afraid. <laughs> and it always says that in the, in the Bible. You ever notice when an angel shows up, first thing he says is, fear not. And it's like, too late. <laughs> you know, too late, man. I'm already freaking out. Well, here, here were the disciples. Right, they were freaking out because Jesus had been crucified. And they didn't know whether everything that he had said was right or wrong, was actually true or not. All of a sudden, he walks through a wall, and he's there in the midst of them. And then they freak out. He says, whoa, 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 settle down. It's really me. And then what does he do? He breathes on them and says, peace, I leave with you. Jesus ministers peace. Jesus ministers love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, perseverance, self-control. He ministers all these things. Isaiah 61 says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me in order to what? To minister, to preach the gospel, to bind the brokenhearted, to set the captives free, to declare the year of the Lord's favor. All of this is your ministry if you have the Spirit of Jesus in you. Right? You, now, a lot, of, a lot of Christians stand up and say, yeah, that's what we should do, but we are not submitted to the Spirit of Jesus. Yeah. Oh, I, I'm, I kind of get in the front row going, mm, but everybody else is like. <laughs> well, let, let, me, let me put it this way. Um, when the disciples then went out, to, like he, he had told, Jesus had told them, hey, come and meet me on the mountain. And so when they got out there, um, they were like, they're coming out to see Jesus on the mountaintop just before he ascends into heaven. When they get there, they see him and they worship. Before that, again, they're kind of wondering, is this, is this, is this the real deal? Is, is he who he really is? For three years, they've been seeing him do miracles, but then he died. And now they come to see him in his risen form. And all of a sudden, they are convinced you really are who you say you are. And when they see him, when you, recognize, when you see Jesus for who he really is, there's only one response, one appropriate response for, for us as human beings, and that is to worship. When you bow down and worship, you are recognizing his authority, who he really is, right? And Jesus even said, now you've seen all authority is mine, right? Just before he got raised, he now, now you've seen, now you know who I am. You've seen all authority is mine. Now go and make disciples. And there's a lot of Christians who are trying to go out and make disciples without first recognizing the authority of Jesus in their own life. This is a, this is a big deal. Because what it attacks is our self-will and our pride. <laughs> hey, it, it gets us at our self-will and our pride. What did Jesus come to alleviate us from? The burden of sin. And how did sin start? Because Adam and Eve executed their self-will. It was self-will that got us into trouble. It's breaking the self-will that has to get us out. It's self-will that got us into trouble. Us deciding, I'm going to do this outside of your will, God. And then Jesus came and had to turn that around and said, not my will, but yours. Right? He, he started, he led, he led by example. He said, if Jesus, who's the only person qualified ever to not have to break his self-will, still came and said, not my will. How much more so should we? It's got to be the first thing. You can't come to worship God and have your self-will intact. Oh, yeah. It's getting really, apart from the front two rows, it's really quiet in here. You can't come and worship God and, and then come to choose how you worship Him. 
Some of us, like some of us come into church and say, hey, uh, yeah, use me, Lord, but only use me in these ways. Um, a servant doesn't come to the master and tell him how he's going to serve. And I, I mean, I know this because I, I've seen it highlighted in, in church because we've spent our whole life in worship and music. So I've had a lot of musicians coming, hey, yeah, hey, I'm here to serve in church. I'm here to serve on the worship team. But then they'll tell me, but I can only do every second Sunday and I, and I can't come to Wednesday rehearsals and I only want to play guitar. I don't want to play anything else. And I, and I'm, and I don't want to, and for singers, yeah, I don't want to sing in the choir. I just want to sing on the mics. You know what I mean? Is it now, are you coming to serve or are you coming to tell me how, how you're going to serve? Because a servant says, here I am, what do you need me to do? Hey, I was telling the guys yesterday, so I, I lead worship at home now, like we've been doing it for so long, but it's all about the next generation. I lead worship once a month, probably, not, not very much, just enough to see that the old fellow's still got it, <laughs> you know, to lead the, 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 the next generation. Um, and the other weeks uh, on a Sunday, I spend a lot of time mixing in front of house, so I'm on the sound desk, right? So, so a lot of people see me up there once a month, but then the other weeks they'll see me uh, back on the sound desk, maybe. Some people see that. What people don't see is when I get up at 4 o'clock in the morning and go and drive the truck. Hey, and to me, which one is serving? All of them. They're all serving. I'll go to Sam, and I just went to Sam, Sam, you, he's my senior pastor, and I said, Sam, here I am, Libby and I, both of us, here we are, what do you need us to do? And he knows that we have gifts, so he'll use those gifts. But if we need to, you know, man, it blows me away that Libby, you, you've seen Libby, she's led worship in front of thousands and thousands and thousands of people, biggest arenas, stadiums, festivals in the world, and yet on a Sunday morning, I'm still seeing her on her knees, putting up an LED screen, on the stage, along with everybody else, tracksuit pants, trainers on. Going hard. She's lugging speakers around. Hey, she's lugging speakers around. And part of me is going, baby, you shouldn't be doing that. You're a queen. You're royalty. You shouldn't be doing that. But, she, but then she looks at me and says, no, you should be doing it. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm just going to go find my sound desk. We, the church, you know, some people look at Equipus Church and think, man, a big church, you know, all, all the problems that come with the big church. They don't see all the people that have, that have sacrificed and served to build that church. Who are you to judge the church? Who are you to judge? You don't know what's gone into it. All, your responsibility is what church are you in and how are you building that church? How are you serving under the Spirit of God and what He's doing? It? And, and when you do it, when you serve a larger vision, out of that, your gifts will start to develop. And then our greatest, man, my greatest desire for everybody in my teams is that they would then discover their gifts and go out and minister to somebody else. And then I can support them in what they're doing. Our desire is not to hold you back. It's actually to release you. But in order to release you, you have to know there's a a certain few things you have to know. Can Can I run through them really quickly? All right, how are we doing? Okay, all right, yeah. Yeah, time goes quick, all right. All right, is this all right? Are you, are you getting something out of it? All right. Um, see, the church is not a building. The church is not a building. The church is not even a community, although community is huge, right? The church is actually built on individuals that have confessed and what, what, Peter, what Peter did when Jesus asked him, who am I? 
He said, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. When you confess that, that's what the church is built on. church is built on the cornerstone of Jesus, but we are all living stones. Oh, <laughs> Again, the pastors say, yeah, it's all right, but it, it, you understand, the church is built on living stones. That's you, not, not on anything else, but on the cornerstone of Christ. So there's, there's, a, there's a few cornerstone things that we need to sort out before, before really you can be released to go out and do something. Because if you start a ministry in your own spirit of pride and rebellion, it's no different to the, to the people at the Tower of Babel who said, man, we don't need God. I'm just going to build my own thing. There are so many ministries out there who are doing it in the name of Christ, but they're building their own empires. And they're doing it in the spirit of pride, not under submission. So there are three things... There were three things that we talked about yesterday with the music team that I think apply to the whole church. Three pillars, if you like. Uh, and there's a fourth one, which I'll throw at you. Okay, you read it really quickly? Yes? Okay, thank you. Oh, the first one is Jesus. Uh, you, you really need to know who Jesus is. Uh, if, you, if you understand who Jesus really is, because there's a lot of people in church that don't really understand why Jesus is so important. Father God, we understand. We know that Jesus is the Son of God, and yeah, yeah, he's Lord, but really, what does that mean? Why did he have to die? What, what do you mean he died for us? What sins? I mean, oh, yeah, okay, well, how does him dying back there fix my sins today? A lot, a lot of people just don't understand that. You feeling me? And when you understand, actually, if you read the Bible, the whole Old Testament shows us why Jesus is so important. Like some people read the New Testament, it's all good, but we don't really understand the Old Testament. And the Old Testament teaches us three lessons. Number one is, sin is a really, really, really big problem for us. Sin is huge. Once you sin, there's no going back. You know how the Bible says, sin always leads to death, the wages of sin is death? It means, it means once you take one step that way and not towards God, you're on that road forever. You cannot get Back. There's no off-road. There's no getting back. You can't get in reverse. You can't reverse your sin. Sin never improves. You ever talk to an addict? Once you start an addiction, it, it gets a hold of you. It just gets worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. You need stronger drugs. You need stronger porn. You need stronger. You need stronger booze. You need stronger stuff. It just gets worse. Am, am I preaching to anybody? It, it just gets worse and worse. It never gets better. You can't fix sin. When you think about what Adam and Eve were to God. Steve, can we, just, can we hold it for, for a couple of minutes? Just for a couple of minutes. Thank you, bro. You're doing good. You think about Adam and Eve back in the garden. They were one with God. No obstacle, no sin, nothing between them. Absolute oneness with God. One in spirit. You know how, you know how close you have to be to somebody to be one in spirit? That's why God says, hey, married people, there's only, there's only one. Get it? We, how did we get from that to a people that are, that are eating their own babies? Oh. We'll just wait for the herd to come through. How did we get from being one in spirit 
to a people that were eating their own babies, that were throwing them into the fire, that were throwing them against the rocks, that were killing. How do you get from, from there to there with one bite of a piece of fruit? One single act of self-will, and it just got worse and worse and worse and worse. And all the way through the Old Testament, you see anybody that is not the people of God were just depraved, absolute depravity. That's where sin leads. And we have got to wake up and see, man, if it wasn't for Jesus, I would be that person. Sin would just have take me all the way down there. It would just keep on going. It would never get worse. And so you realize we are actually helpless to help ourselves. We can't fix sin. This is the second lesson that the Old Testament teaches us. When we try to sort ourselves out, we can't do it. Well, actually, the frailty of man, the severity of sin and the frailty of man, you can't fix yourself. And so when you, when you get halfway through the Old Testament, you realize, man, we are in a pickle. We are, we are screwed here. What are we going to do? There's got to be blood for sin, but we can't, we can't give our own blood, then we're dead. What are we going to do? We need a Savior. And so when you read the rest of the Old Testament, it's full of prophets who are all prophesying, there's a Messiah coming. There's a Savior coming. There's somebody coming. He's going to deal with this problem. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. He shall be called wow, Counselor. Wonderful. All of a sudden, the, whole, the rest of the Old Testament is full of that. There's a Messiah coming. And then the Old Testament finishes, and the New Testament starts. And you know what it starts with? In Matthew chapter 1, the genealogy of Jesus. All the Old Testament is, is lining up the problem, saying there's a, we've got a huge problem of sin. We can't fix it by ourselves. We need a Savior. And then the New Testament starts with Jesus being born. Now, when you, when you start to understand, this is why Jesus is a way lot more important than we think. Because you would not be able to have church if Jesus hadn't done what he had done. When you start to figure out, man, you can't come in here and worship God. You couldn't worship God even though he wants you to if Jesus hadn't done what he had done. So when you come in on a Sunday morning and it's like, hey, let's, hey, let's remember what Jesus has done and maybe lift our hands, maybe sing out a bit and shout out a bit. Maybe we can remember what he did and start to appreciate him a little more. When you understand that, it's, it, it puts us all on a level playing field. Now there's no Greek or Hebrew. Now there's no architect versus laborer. Hey, now there's no doctor versus, versus truck driver. Now there's no girl versus boy. Now there's no rich versus poor. There's none of that. Now there's no I'm more gifted than you. There's no competition because we're all sinners. We all, we all need Jesus. And when you receive the grace of Christ, then you can go out and minister it. Unless you know the grace, unless you know the peace, unless you know the love of the Father, what have you got to minister? And until you submit your spirit to His, you are ministering nothing but self-sufficiency, pride, empire building, my own agendas. Is this making sense to somebody? Hey, we've got to submit. We've got to get rid of our spirit of pride. We've got to get rid of our self-will. We've got to come in and just, here's a great opportunity. Just, just come into a house, submit to its vision, and then see what God will do. It's amazing what he'll do once your will is submitted, once your spirit is submitted. Okay. <clears throat> when, when you know who Jesus is, 
praise is easy. That's why I love this. I love your house, man. I love, as soon as we start a praise song, there's so much praise in the place. Hey, anybody, anybody willing to admit that I'm a praiser? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thank you. There was about eight hands that went up. All right. So the rest of you, I'm assuming you're not willing to admit it, (laughs) but you are. (laughs) <laughs> we all loved it when it went to the slow song, right? Yeah. <laughs> no one's willing to admit that. We all love it. Hey, some of us endure the praise to get to the slow songs, to get to the worship. Now, you think about it. Jesus has done what he's done, and we've got two songs for our opportunity to say thanks for that. And we say, no, 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 that's, that's not the, I'm just going to wait for these to be over and then I can get into my worship, which is the worship that I receive. Uh, we had this analogy yesterday. Um, I, was, I was pointing at um, somebody in the team and saying, listen, okay, listen, Nathan, I, I know Nate from, it's good to see you, man. Imagine, like, I know Nathan, and we all know what a rat bag he is, right? His whole life. He's just gotten into trouble. He's just run. He's been rebellious. He's run away from his parents. He's just, he's just acted up. Got into trouble with every in every area of his life. He's screwed it up. He's just like been really, really just just nasty. Everybody and there's no character, no integrity at all. He's just he's got into so much trouble financially, emotionally, physically. He's been beating people up. You know, all just he's in trouble with the law. Police are after him, right? And he's got all these fines that he, that he has to figure out. But and being the and being the good 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 father that I am, I just I I, I said I said listen, on his behalf I went to all these people, and sorted one thing out at a time. I went to the IRD and I paid all his bills. I went to the police and sorted it out and said, hey, listen, I think we can do this if he's you know if he's in my house, I can look after him. I went to all the people that had hurt and tried to make amends. I paid some stuff. I paid a lot of money. I, I spent time working on things to, to, to make it happen, to make amends. I did all that for him so that he could be free. And then, and then we met. One day, he, and I told him about it. And somebody told him about it and said, hey, man, the, your father, your spiritual Maori father has done this for you, <clears throat> has done this for you. And he's saying, come meet me on Sunday. And so I was waiting for him in church, and I expected him to come in and say, man, I'm so sorry for everything that I've done, and I thank you so much for all that you've paid. I don't, I don't want that just, just to see him groveling. I actually want to see him hold, and, and I want to be able to say, it's good, it's because I love you. That's what I want, that's what I want you to do. That's, that's why I did all this for you, because I, I want to see you whole and complete. I want to see your joy complete. And I, I don't want him groveling in. I want to see him come in, thank you so much, with joy, right? And so I waited and hoping that that would be his response. And then on Sunday, it came to 10 o'clock. Actually, it was five past 10. (laughs) And the first song was already finished. And then he came in. And just at the time I thought he was going to say thank you, he reached out his hand and said, hey, can I have another five bucks? So he hasn't said thank you for the big thing I did. He's just asking for more. What does that say to me? You haven't learned a thing. We, we come into praise 
and we spend two songs not praising. We're waiting for it to be over. We don't want to give anything. We just want to take. We just want to ask for more. Because the worship is really nice. It's really easy to lift your hands and worship. Oh, this, is, this feels really nice for me. But where's the thank you? The Bible says you enter his courts with praise and thanksgiving. It means it's not an option. Jesus gave his blood. So you, how could you walk past that entranceway knowing that he paid his blood for you to walk in here into his presence and not simply out of courtesy alone say thank you? When these guys practice for hours and get their song sounding pretty good, even though it may not be perfect, it's enough for you to be able to go, thank you, Jesus. I'm not doing this because the music is moving me. I'm doing this because I recognize what you've done. And this is my chance to join with everybody else to say thanks. Are you feeling me? Therefore, your culture of praise needs to be strong. If you don't praise, your self-will and your pride stays intact. You've got to praise him. Otherwise, you're just a taker and not a giver. Well, then, never skip over praise to get to the worship. Sometimes we do. I mean, we, we skip the praise to get to the good stuff. Hey, it's, just about, it's just about me receiving. The Bible says when you draw near to him, he will draw near to you. To me, praise is us drawing near to him, and worship is when he draws near to us. I, we, I want you to worship. I, I love worship. I want to receive from God. But please give him, acknowledge him first. Please say thank you first. Please make an effort. If it, feels, if it doesn't feel like your style of music, the more sacrifice, the more effort, the more it means to him. Surely. You can understand that, right? The more effort it takes for you to lift your hands or even try to get into this new music that sounds just too loud. The more, the more sacrifice, the more it means to him. God is looking down going, look at what you're making yourself do for my sake. Hey, that means so much to him. Okay, finally, the, the prophetic is the third thing. Understanding, getting into touch with the Spirit of God is a real, real, real crucial part. Uh, everything that I know that Paul and Ruth do are in alignment with what they believe the Holy Spirit doing. So for your spirit to be able to to be able to minister effectively, you have to be in line with His Spirit. And for that reason, we are strong in the prophetic. We want to get into that space and we want to hear from Him. Otherwise, we're just, we're just it's not a living relationship. There's, you know, worship is so good because it leads to intimacy. Intimacy is where the real relationship happens. I even read this morning another plan. A lot of people, for their times with God, will read the Word, but they actually have no emotional engagement. And your, word, your relationship with God can't be just word and intellect alone. There's got to be an emotional engagement. Otherwise, where's the relationship? Where's the intimacy? Where's the feeling? God, Jesus came to us because he had empathy on us. He felt for us. He wept over us. How, how are we supposed to weep over, over somebody out there if we don't have his heart? Is that, is that good? I need to just finish on this. All right? and, and finally, the last thing is accountability. Accountability is huge. Accountability says, um, yeah, I, I, I recognize that I'm weak, that I'm not perfect, and I need somebody to be able to keep an eye on me. So how does, I think it's the power of the church. I think it's the real power of the church. Because what it leads to is Humility. And the Bible says in James, God gives grace to the humble, but resists the proud. 
Our problem is we all think we're humble. Hey, we, we all think we're humble. Everybody thinks they're humble. It's not until you have to submit to somebody else that we discover how humble you really are. Because when somebody tells you something that you don't want to do, then we see how humble you are. And that's why accountability is so important. Because when you, when you submit to somebody else, when you are willing to open up and confess to somebody else what's going on in your world, you're willing to talk. It doesn't have to be any one particular person as long as someone that's got more authority than you have in that area. Yeah? yeah. Then, then it's, it's the body confessing, confessing to one to another. And then, of course, you can, you can call on God's grace because God gives grace to the humble. A lot of us, I, I, don't, I don't think it's a matter of real arrogance or you know, pride in that way. I think pride shows more in isolation than anything else. We isolate and we don't tell and we don't say and we struggle away in our problem, with our problems and keep them all inside. I have to say, especially guys. Hey, girls talk. Chicks talk, man. Just, you, you know, you talk all the time and you talk feelings all the time. But guys, generally, we shut it off. And we run into our caves and we don't tell anybody. And then we, then we go to God and we say, Lord, you don't have to tell anybody. I can sort it out. We can sort it out, just me and you. And he says, I'll give you grace, but you're going to have to humble yourself and go talk to somebody. It's amazing when you do that, how the grace is now free to flow into your life. As soon as you open your mouth and you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. But you can't call on that verse if you're holding it in. Because what's holding it in? Pride. It's the fear of shame. And there is no place for shame in the kingdom of God. No place for shame. As soon as you open up, all that shame is gone, the pride is broken, the grace of God flows into your life. And the person that experiences the grace of God is the person that I want on this platform, the person that I want going out there representing this house, is the person that understands the grace of God and is living in the grace of God that we want out there ministering grace to somebody else. Can you say amen to that? All right. Okay, so let's respond to this. Thank you, Steve. You can come on. Thanks, bro. Let's respond to this. Why don't we, um, why don't we stand? And just, and just receive. It was a D, right? D. What a beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a beautiful name it is. Nothing compares to this. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus. Sing it again. What a beautiful name. What a beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a beautiful name it is. Nothing compares to this. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus. 
Jesus, we call upon your name. We recognize that your name is the most powerful name in the universe. Jesus, your name is beautiful to us, but powerful to the enemy. It's beautiful to us because of your love for us. You came to us. You saved us. You saw us in our loss. You saw us in our grief. You saw us in our brokenness. And yet you came to us. And we thank you for that, Lord. We acknowledge you, Jesus, for being a beautiful Savior, for being wonderful, for being counselor. Thank you, Jesus, for who you are. And I thank you, Jesus, that to the enemy, your name is power. Your name is powerful. That no spirit, no demonic power, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess, Jesus is Lord. And so we call upon your powerful name to come against everything that is coming against us. Lord, even to break our own pride, we pray in Jesus' name. That, Lord, our own pride would bow and confess that you are Lord. Our own self-will would bow and confess that you are Lord. Lord, take it away. Just as you lay yourself down in the waters of baptism, we lay ourselves down in your waters, Lord, in your presence, in your spirit. We give our lives away. We give our heart away to you. Thank you, Jesus. Just open up your hearts for a second. Yeah, just open up your hearts for a second. Lord, we want to we want to give you every single one of those areas. We want to know what who really you are. We want to recognize your authority. And when we are submitted to your authority, Lord, as a church, we want to be able to go out and make disciples. Help us, Lord, to minister to this community. Help us, Lord, to minister to Northland. Help us, Father, to bring your spirit of power and provision and grace and mercy and love to the entire Northland in Jesus' name. Lord, build your church as we submit ourselves to you. Build your church as we submit ourselves to you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' awesome name. And everybody said, Amen. Thanks for that awesome word, Pastor Wayne. Thank you so much. And just uh, just for a time here, there's something that really stuck with me in what you were sharing there, Pastor Wayne, and that was it's not our ministry. It's not The ministry is not coming from our gifts. It's not coming from this platform, and we are all called to minister in the name of Jesus. And it's from the Spirit. It's from the Spirit that our ministry comes. And who knows, there's only one way to get that spirit in us. There's only one way, one way. The word says there is only one way, and that is through Jesus Christ. Amen. So as as we're ministered to here by our awesome worship team, I just want to open up this opportunity. Open up this opportunity right now for you to receive Jesus into your life. If you have never... If you have never received Jesus, I just want with every head bow and with every eye closed this morning, I just want to give you this opportunity.